Father, we pray that in these next few minutes that we have together, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts, that you would help us to understand you more deeply, and that we, you would help us to understand your word. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In your good name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so I'm, I'm pumped to be here and uh, for all of us to be together again. It's great to see some of you uh, kind of took a, a little time off and some were gone for Easter and the week and all that kind of stuff. Others, we've just been all over the place. But whenever we come together, it just is a, a good, good thing. I'm going to ask John, would you just raise the lights in the house uh, all the way so everybody can look at the Word and read together. Um, if you have your app on your phone or your whatever you've got, iPad, or, or even if you have like a real authentic paper Bible, it'd be great to keep it open to Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11, and that's what we're going to spend our time in tonight. But before I get back to the Word, um, I wanted to kind of set things in motion for you. So this church, um, in two weeks, it will be Mother's Day. Two weeks? Yeah, that's crazy how it's coming so fast. And that will mark the second year that any form of meeting as Pipeline Church has existed. That's kind of crazy to think about. Um, so two years ago, Mother's Day, there was a group of about a dozen of us that sat in my backyard, uh, and we had a Bible study, and we heard a couple people just share their testimonies of what God was doing with their lives, and it's taken a crazy ride from there on, and we've had so much fun. Um, in the past little bit, we've been, it's been kind of a place where there's been a lot of tension. We've been sensing the Lord leading us um, as a church, some, some key directions, um, and, and we're following as much as He's giving us leadership to go. But at the same hand, there's always that, that anxiety that you have as a young, growing church. On an average week, we have five to as many as a dozen um, or more people that visit this church for the very first time. And it's just amazing thinking like with our numbers that we have that many people coming through on a regular basis, on an every week basis, receiving Christ, experiencing something fresh and something new, and some joining for a long distance with us. And then some others that are like, hey, it's good. High five. It's been great to see you. We wanted to encourage you. And we're going back to where we normally are at. And that's a great thing as well. And we, we want to just continue to, to allow people to uh, let this be a feeding station as well as a home. And one of the things that we are experiencing is knowing that we have this growth that's taken place. Um, we know that everything around us and the structure of the church has to follow the, the necessary gains that we've made as a growing bride of Christ. And so there's a few things behind the scenes that are taking place um, just with staffing. And some of those you'll see, um, for instance, Kaylee, uh, who leads our worship team. She's actually officially kind of our, our worship, not kind of, she is our worship director. And she's helping uh, scheduling our teams and leading our teams. And our team leaders are connecting with her to make sure. So all of you who volunteer and you get your little planning center update, that's like one of Kaylee's official jobs. And she takes it very seriously. So don't be a jerk and not reply. Okay, but but the other uh, side of it is we've got Brooke, who's leading our kids' ministry. And literally, one of the rules we have for Brooke is you have to be in service every so often. And we've set some appointed things because she doesn't even want to come in here. She likes being in there so much. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm good over there. And I'm saying, no, you got to be a part of the body. Let's, let's just set these as standards we set. And she's just passionate about what God's doing with the kids of our church. And then um, my wife, Cindy, um, 
you guys need to understand, I talk up here, but she runs most everything else. So uh, if you ever kind of take note of some of the things that are going on and picture like my wife sitting at home by the pool, just having a nice glass of iced tea in the middle of the day, it never happens. All right. We are going a thousand miles an hour and our whole house is buzzing with Pipeline Church at all times. And then Maggie, who is our assistant, and you kind of see her at the doors or kind of checking things out. It's actually kind of funny because for a season there, it was like she was creepishly checking people in behind the scenes and that kind of stuff. But uh, Maggie has been an incredible addition to our team in terms of helping kind of me administrate uh, the things that I've got going on with the church and handling our database side of what goes on with our church. Well, the, here's the exciting stuff, and, and I lay all this out because we are in the process of getting ready to give birth to our very first church plant, and you don't even know. Like, this is so rad. It's, it's happening. And, and it's crazy for me to imagine. But we set this out a long time ago, that when we were going to plant this church, it would be a church that plants churches. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be planting a church this fall. In August, we will open our second venue for Pipeline Church, which will be mornings here at Pipeline Church. Yeah, some are like, woo! Others are like, why even would you do that? That's ridiculous. I had a fantastic day. I saw so many of you at Costco today. It was great. You're like so relaxed and just hanging out. Like, I'll see you at church in a few minutes. Don't worry. You know, don't look at everything I have in my cart either. But, but the, it, was, it was awesome, right? We had a great time. Uh, and, and Kevin got a pool. I mean, it's good stuff, all right? So I, I just want to share with you that that is kind of one of our next steps. We know that we need to open the Sunday morning venue because there's a bunch of people that are waiting to come to that service. And for whatever reason, both the morning and the evening, whatever reason you choose to go to whichever one, we're going to be able to experience exponential growth as a result of that. So you're like, how is that a church plant? You're just giving another service. No, it's a specifically different kind of service. It's a specifically different thing using some of the same people. But we are saying, no, this is, this is an expansion of what we're doing. Then additionally, we just on Easter started live streaming our services. Now, I haven't really told you about it all because um, I've been trying to like soft entry it because my friend Dylan and I, we've been working, and Tim, we've been working behind the scenes to make stuff, see if it actually works. You know, is it going to be like Jeff standing in front of people with no, you know, sound or, you know, is it actually going to work? And so that, there's that tension for us to say, okay, is this actually going to happen? So as we go, um, that's another thing. And so this week, we actually had around 50 people who participated in last week's service because we were live streaming it. And it live streams directly to a live stream website as well as Facebook Live, which if you, I don't, it'll mess up the bandwidth. You don't want to mess with it right now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, she, Jan's watching it right now. Do I look all right? Do I look thinner? I've been working on it. Okay, thank you. And I put on some lights that would make me look like I have a good tan on. So, uh, but anyway, no, the vanity aside, there's so much going on. And we're having to double back and replace all of our database systems and rework our, our websites and make sure that we have things easy and reachable for people because we believe that God is on the move at Pipeline Church. And God is doing some amazing things in the lives of people, and we don't want to get caught behind and I'm not one of those guys who, like, somebody gives me a chance and I just do everything. I like to be very calculated in what we do, and yet I don't ever want to stop. Somebody said, Jeff, you know, when are you going to slow down? I was like, when I'm dead, 
right? Because God's called us to this mission. He's called us to this work and he's opened up so many doors to us that we're going to keep walking through that. And I tell you all these things because God deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for what he is doing. So here's what you're going to do is you're going to turn to the people next to you and give them a big high five and say, I'm glad I'm here tonight. Ready? Go, go. Okay. So last week we started this series, Vivid, um, and, and the idea is that we are responding. How are we seeing the world in light of the resurrection of Christ? It's got to look different. There's got to be something different. Once the risen Savior is made known, you have to live differently, and there's no question about that. And so we recognize here, and I recognize the own t- my, my own tension is to lean back on things that I know and to lean back on places I've been and, and to say, well, in the past, this is the way things went and this is what worked and this is kind of the things that we've taught. And I'm believing that God is saying to us, not that he's going to create some kind of new doctrine, because if you ever hear somebody say that, then we, we got a big problem, but that he's going to take what we're doing and the place that we're going, and he's going to take the truth of his word and his scripture and the text that we read, and he's going to unite those things to a fresh pointing and a fresh heading for his church. Last week, I talked out of John chapter 21, and because we had had John chapter 20 as the focus for our message on Easter, I just went to the very next chapter, and what we saw was that Jesus was appearing to his disciples. And it says here in Acts, um, as we read earlier, that Jesus did spend time appearing to his disciples and, and revealing himself and speaking to them. And in the accounts of the Gospels at the ends of those, you can catch that and you can see what Jesus was doing. He was appearing and saying, this is the truth. And, and I pointed out last week, there was even the people who had seen him do all the stuff and who had been with him on the journey, it says in there that even though they had been with him, they still did not understand what was going to happen. They still did not understand that the scriptures were being fulfilled. And as we moved to John 21, the other thing that we saw was the necessity of the people of God's church to recognize that we have been redeemed by a glorious Savior that our sin and our shortcomings and all of the things that keep us held back have been erased when we stand at the foot of the throne and we call in the name of Jesus. That we no longer have to be bound by the guilt and the stress and the anxiety and the frustration of all those things that would so easily hold us down and remind us that we're not good enough. The truth is, when you embrace the fact that you're not good enough, That's when Jesus begins the ability to work within you. And we saw Peter sitting on the shore with Jesus, and and the example was that charcoal fire. The last time Peter had sat around a charcoal fire was when he was denying Christ. And how many times did he deny Christ? Three times. He said, I never knew him, in, in so much that he ended with a tirade of profanity, saying there's no absolute way, and he set himself apart, as far apart as he could from Christ and his people in that setting. And then he finds himself again around a charcoal fire. And Jesus himself saying, do you love me? And he makes him three times admit that he loves him. He says, then Peter, 
I want to use you, so do the work. Don't let anything stop you. Do the work. And so we press on because the story continues into the book of Acts, and we're going to do a study for the next several weeks through the book of Acts. And I want to set up this study by giving you some basic understandings and then one concept that we're going to take home and see what God does with us this week. The first thing is reading the Word is going to help you here. So I would encourage you, if you're, whether you're going to be here every week or every other week or like you know regular attenders come once a month, I don't know, whatever the deal is, but we want you to be every week. But the big picture is until this series is done, I would encourage you to read through the book of Acts. Read it several times. Read a chapter or two at a time and pound your way through it. And when you get to the end, do like a swimmer and kick off the wall and go back to the beginning and, and go back again, right? That's a good visual. Thank you very much. But, but the big picture of this is read through the text because the text will begin to reveal itself to you. And you're going to hear things from me, but I hope that when you hear them, you go, oh yeah, that's what I was thinking too. That's what we hope. And so during this process, read through the book of Acts because this is really the heading that God's got us on. The next thing is that the book of Acts is a narrative. It's a story. So if you miss out on the flow of the story, you're going to miss out. So for instance, next week when we get together and we're going to talk about the upper room and what's taking place there and Peter and Philip and some of the, if I start to list and name people, you're going to be a little bit out. Not, not that I'm going to just drop people by the wayside if you don't keep reading with us or whatever, but, but I might put some Easter eggs in there if you're a gamer, you might like that. But I might put some hidden things in there that just kind of catch to say, hey, if you've been reading along in the text, you're going to understand these things. What we want to look at is how the movement of the people of God as the bride of Christ began to grow and how the church was being established. I want to show you and walk you through some places to see how it moves and how it grows and how the Holy Spirit works and what God will accomplish through his people. Those are some big things. Like when I wrote those down, I had to write them down, scratch them out, write them down, scratch them out. Because even just writing how the Holy Spirit works, oh my gosh, people get all tripped out by that, right? So there's those that would argue this about the book of Acts, that it's purely prescriptive because this is the Acts of the Apostles. It's telling us exactly what we should do. And there's crazy stuff, you know, like uh, some of the disciples went out and, you know, they, people were raised from the dead, and there's all kinds of crazy, miraculous stories. So what you have is the people that would say, this is a prescriptive story completely, 100%. They're going to go out, and, and they're going to really focus on, like, the big, miraculous things. And, and I'm all good with that. I believe in miracles. I believe that God is moving and God is at work and he's changing and he's shaping and he's healing and he's intervening at every step of the way. But this book isn't purely prescriptive. It's also descriptive. And that means it's describing some things that took place. And so what we need to understand is there's a measure of both things in here. That sometimes we just need to hear the stories of some amazing things that took place so that when we get into the situation that we're going to find ourselves, that we have the faith and that we've been built up enough that God can work through us. But if we try to step in like Peter or Paul we're, we're in, in this book, we're going to find ourselves as a, at a bit of a loss. Because really, if we're looking and, and just hoping that God's going to show up in this miraculous way all the times in our lives, we're negating the idea that a lot of this was just for the understanding that God is at work among us and we'll stop looking for where he wants to use us and we'll start trying to copyright and, and counterfeit 
some of the previous moves of God. Remember, I told you, I have a tendency to go back to, well, this is how I've done it, or this is the, what the thing I know. I remember uh, one of the conversations that I had in one of our previous churches, leading and as a pastor, like, I'm, for those of you who have the song debate, you know, is it hymns, is it not hymns, is it current, is it whatever, I, I think God can work through everything, and he does work through everything. But I remember one uh, lady who's a pillar of the church stood up and she said, you don't understand. There's a couple of these songs in this book that when they were sung, my life was changed. And every time we sing them in the church, it takes me back to that moment. And I need that. Because I re need to remember where God was at work in my life. And then it was crazy because I was like, yeah, I totally get that, right? And I stepped out and I went to a conference the next week. And the conference was like a, had a bunch of different speakers. And one of the speakers uh, at the conference was the pastor of Hillsong Church. And he stood in front of us and he said, do you know what song you will never hear at Hillsong Church? I was like, ah. Oh. He said, if you come to Hillsong Church and you visit Hillsong Church, you will never hear some of those original songs that started in putting us off the map on, on worship, that, that started us off on this big revolution of worship, and he listed off like three or four of those songs, and I thought, oh, those are my jam. I love those songs. Those were big moments in my life. I was going, oh. And he said, here's why. Not because we don't think they're good songs. Not because we don't think they're great things. But I don't want to have to look back 10 and 20 years at what God did with me that one time. I want to know what he did today and what he did yesterday and how he's moving now. And he says, I tell the people of our church, go ahead, use that song. Let that be your private time, that worship time. But when you come here, prepare for a new move of God in your heart to see what he'll do. Like, Whoa. I had to process that, right? And so when I, we talk about the book of Acts, we're talking descriptive and prescriptive, both. What we need to see and what we need to do. And there's parts of the books of Acts that, again, I said they're really miraculous and all that kind of stuff, but the book of Acts is filled with signs and wonders, and they're awesome, but that is not the point of the book. There's a lot of people that take it to a definite extreme, the, the signs and wonders are a part of the experience. Jesus is everything. The name of Jesus and the work of Jesus through his people is everything. It's easy to elevate the signs and wonders. Five loaves and two fish when Jesus was around. Oh man, that was awesome. But you know what happened shortly after? They ended up on a boat and those same guys who collected the 12 baskets still were grumbling and complaining. And still didn't understand. And so what the text of this says and what we understand from this is if we try to reside and live and dwell on the miraculous events that take place, that's going to be short-lived and you're not going to have the depth of relationship with the Lord that will carry you through the moments that hit you square between the eyes. Where Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Here's my best example for that. I know of literally hundreds of students who've gone to summer camps. 
high school summer camps, and we have like, like, man, we literally sang Kumbaya at a couple of them, right? Like, it was awesome. We sat around the fire, and we tell the stories, and it's crazy. Like, if you go to some of these summer camps, you realize that for like the first three days, everybody's a little bit guarded, and then like the fourth night, you got kids showing up, and they've got like, yeah, I've been smoking weed this whole weekend. You're like, what? What's going on? How? I've been with you the whole time, right? And he's like, oh, man. And they start, one, one camp, we did a deal, and the speaker, like, I thought he was running off a cliff, right? The, the, I, he was just setting himself up for failure. He was like, right now, here's what we're going to do. For those of you who are serious about Jesus getting a hold of your life, I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to get up, I want you to go to your cabin, get the thing that's tripping you up, and bring it back and put it at the foot of the cross. Like, that's a big, you know, that's a big camp deal, right? And I'm like, bro, these kids are like golden children. It's not going to happen. All of a sudden, like we had kids bringing like full fifths of alcohol to the thing. Like these kids were like, girls were walking in with like double fists and wine coolers, setting them down, right? Kids are like dropping cigarettes and joints and all kinds of stuff. I was like, I've never even seen half this stuff. I was like, you guys are the, gold, the, the Christian school golden kids, right? Like, all, and guys were bringing out dirty magazines. I was like covering them up with newspapers, right? And I was like, oh no, right? And books of poetry of this horrid stuff. They've been, I was like, what? Now here's the thing though. We have this great mountaintop experience. God's working. He's miraculous. He's amazing. He's wonderful. It's great. And I don't want to negate that because a lot of them, their lives were eternally changed. But most of them, about two weeks later, doing the same exact stuff they were doing before. And when we talk to them, when we sit down with them, why are you doing this again? I said, you know, it felt so good when I was there. It felt so, I had this high, I was on this, man, God was there with me and I got home and I just didn't feel it anymore. The book of Acts is a reminder to us that it's more than feeling. It's more than the miraculous. It's the truth of the living God is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He was crucified. He lived. He died. And he resurrected. And yet, even in his resurrection, it was not the pinnacle of everything. He says, take the body of work and who I am and the story that's been told and live into this. Live into this, people. So we go to this text, and this is how, this is crazy because I'm getting to the text just to close it up tonight. But verse 8 in Acts chapter 1, if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, so cool. If you have the Version Bible app, um, I would encourage you to have that. Find some friends in the church that you can share scriptures with, do some devotionals together. There's all kinds of social options for all that stuff. But what I want you to do is take that verse 8 and highlight it somewhere. Whether you got it in your Bible, you're marking underneath it, or cut yourself and bleed all around, whatever you need to do. But um, what I want you to do is just remember this. This is the crux. This is the very foundation of what we're looking at here. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I want to just take this, this section of the text. There's, there's a lot more in there. And again, I want you to read this. I want you to go through this. I want you to take this on. But I want you to get this. What does it look like for the Holy Spirit to come upon you? There's two things. And we're going to talk doctrine of the Holy Spirit, okay? People are like, oh no. Uh, this is supposed to be like a 301 level course, you know, you sign up and, and go to that in seminary, you know, like maybe Wayne and Crystal have to do that, but not me. But here's what I want you to understand. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, and I need you to get this. 
When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you say, come into my heart. I want to be free. I want to receive your gift of salvation. When that happens, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. You were acted on because of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit does a couple of things. One, He does the work of illumination. That means revealing to your heart that you need a Savior. There's a story in the text that, that talks about um, a guy, and he's high up in the military, and he's, he's a, a leader of, of many people and got a great big household, and he was not Jewish. And, and he hears it, and he says, something has broken inside of me, and I must receive Jesus. And that day, he and his whole household were baptized to say that we believe. The work of the Holy Spirit is that illumination. Pardon me, that was really weird, like a belching cough all at the same time while I was saying a word. But, um, the, sorry, video people. Um, <coughs> all right, so the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate. And so when you hear the message of the gospel and your heart wells up within you to say, I get this, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. You don't get that on your own. It's not like a good idea that you're like, oh, that's that's pretty good. I'm glad I thought of that. No, that's the Holy Spirit providing. The other thing the Holy Spirit does is if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, and repeatedly throughout the books of Acts, you'll, or the book of Acts, you'll see that the gospel is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit falls, and men are saved. But what they do is then they go out, and they proclaim even more. They can't stop. On Easter, we had the testimony on video of Bartimaeus, the blind man who was healed by Jesus Christ. And the, the next thing it says he does is he joined the people who went triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. He couldn't help but to go with them because the Holy Spirit does something to us that says, now I have to proclaim this message. So on salvation the indwelling of the Holy Spirit takes place. And that's the stuff that makes us sensitive. That's the, the thing that kind of, it's not little Jiminy Cricket with his umbrella on your shoulder. It's, it's more the idea of when you're in the midst of it, you know what's wrong and what's right. You know that there's places in your life that like after you receive Christ, that you go to do those things that were your habit before. And it's like, whoa, I can't do that anymore. I remember my grandpa telling me the story, like, he was like a, like a five-pack-a-day smoker since he was like 11 or something. Like, like it was crazy. And, I, and he was just this hard country guy. And I remember he just said, hey, I just knew, like, I got in the car the next day after I had gone to this tent meeting and I would received Christ. And I told God, whatever you want me to do with my life, I'm going to do it. He said, I put a cigarette up to my mouth and I took a puff just like I had the rest of my, all my days. It was instinctual. And he said, and I literally got sick. He said, I took the pack and I threw it out the window. I was like, wait, now we're a family of litterers. But he said, no, I, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I no longer had a taste for it anymore. And he was like, Jeff, that was one thing. There was thing after thing after thing after thing in my life. And it's not because anybody told me to change it. It's because I knew in my heart. That I, just, I just knew there was something God needed to, me to do. And he was changing me. The Holy Spirit does that work. The Holy Spirit creates those supernatural moments, but the Holy Spirit sustains us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that reveals and shows that Christ Jesus is Lord. And in the Trinity, you have God the Father, then you have the Son, 
And what we've done in the Christian church a lot of times, because we don't really understand the Holy Spirit, is we've just implanted the Word, the Holy Word. So we go, Father, Son, Holy Word. Because when we read in the Scripture, like the Holy Ghost, that's spooky. We don't like that, right? And we understand God the Father, creator of all. He spoke it, there it was, right? We understand Jesus come in the form of a baby, raised and lived a spotless life, crucified for my sins, died three days later, risen again. I get that. A plus B equals C. I totally get it. I don't understand how or why, but I get that. And then we get the Holy Spirit. Blows like the wind. Unseen, unknown. And here's the crazier one. In the Trinity, the Holy Spirit's main job is to make the name of Jesus great among the people. To get no glory for himself in the Trinity but to make the name of Jesus great. When people talk about the power of the Holy Spirit coming on them and experiencing something great of the Holy Spirit, there's something that raises up and magnifies Jesus Christ above everything. It's like as when we talk about the being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, we step aside and Jesus is made great and greater than people have ever seen. And so his work is to make the name of Jesus great. And then the second thing is also to empower you to accomplish things and see the things that you could never see happen before in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit is what does bring on healing and miraculous intervention and those kind of things that you'll read in this text. But I'm not saying like, so you say, God, uh, through your presence and through your Holy Spirit, I want you to take control and you show up at work tomorrow and you have everybody hand in their sandwiches and you make 5,000 sandwiches out of it. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you walk into the funeral home down the road and you just walk up and you go, oh, it's okay. She's just sleeping and, you know, do this, right? There's, there's some crazy town stuff and you're like, okay, like in John, it says, you know, the things that truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, the greater works uh, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. People translate that text to say, I'm going to do greater things than Jesus. I'm going to call out that mountain, throw it in the ocean. That's what I'm going to do, right? And we, we think these big faith works are the big things that we got to pursue. But let me push a little bit farther into that envelope. Do you know how much more people are influenced in your community when you actually just stop and take time to talk to them? When you actually feel that thing in your heart when you're talking to somebody and you go, I don't have an answer for you, but can I just pray for you right now? Like that's all I know to do is go to the Father and ask Him to intervene. It changes things. When we reach out to the least of these, when we care for people in our area, when we, when we actually get outside of ourselves, that's when things change. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does that because aside from the Holy Spirit empowering me, I am all about survival. So this would be my point of application this week for us on this idea and concept of the Holy Spirit coming on us. There's some of us that live in this constant, like, wheel, gerbil wheel, right? And you're going along, and some days, I like the gerbils that hold on and then just, that's a funny video YouTube stuff, right? But sometimes I feel like that. 
Like, I'm running, running, running as hard as I can, as hard as I can. My cheeks are full of little seed things they eat or whatever, right? And I'm full of it most of the time. And I'm running, running, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm just going, I'm going. No matter what I do, I'm just barely keeping my nose above the water. This week, I want to encourage you to take the step to say, Holy Spirit of God, let me get out of the way. Let me hear your voice. And would you begin taking hold of my life in such a way that Jesus and his good name is made great. And I guarantee you that the response and answer to that prayer will not be your great prosperity. Hey man, I prayed to Jesus and whoop whoop, you know. You're, you, what you're going to find is as soon as you let go, you're going to see the Holy Spirit begin to do things in your life to calm and bring peace and hope, to resolve some of the places that there's been anxiety and tension, and for your walk to begin to be made complete. Because he's going to put other things on your heart and your mind than just surviving. Because that's what he does. I want to wrap with this final thought. The Holy Spirit has given to us so that we could live at another level in our relationship with Christ. He says, I'm going away, and I'm not going to be performing all the miraculous things, bringing people in, riding in on donkeys. Like, that, that age is over now. You've seen, you've heard. Now I need you to start living into it. So what are we doing? We're finding places to give financially and support the work of the ministry. We're opening up opportunities for people to hear the word of God. We've got men who are meeting together to study the word. We've got women who are coming together to give praise to the Most High God and invite people into relationship. And if you're somebody who's here tonight that somebody invited you to be here, it's because they love you so much and they care about you so much that they wanted to make sure you heard the word of God and that you could be changed by it. So my challenge this week for us there's going to be a whole lot more that we'll talk about in case by case, instance by instance. But I'm going to ask, church, what if for this week, you and I woke up every day and we said, Holy Spirit of God, who dwells within me, would you clothe me in your truth? Would you cover me? Would you help me to know your peace? Would you help me to know what you've called me to be here to do? I have this picture that's been running through my head. And it's kind of the idea that when you receive Christ, you grab onto the hand of God and you begin a journey that you never imagined would be possible. And the hard part is while you're holding Dad's hand, right? Just picture that, you know, you got your dad and you're holding his hand, you're walking. There's moments where you wonder, like, if you tripped on that rock, would he really hold you up? There's doubts that come into your head, and there's things like, yeah, I love this guy, he's great, but we're easily diverted. But every once in a while along that journey, he literally will scoop you up and hold you tight and kiss you on the cheek and whisper in your ear, I love you so incredibly much. Looking you fully in the face and the eyes and say, I love you and I've got you. 
And I started thinking, like, when I get set down from those moments, when I have those mountain peak moments with God where he has intervened, and it has been very clear that he's done something in my life, do you know the confidence that I walk with after that? There's no question. There's no shadow of doubt. There's no challenge that's too hard. There's no thing in front of me that's too great. There's no fear in my heart that can win that day. So I believe God is calling us, who are in the hearing of his word tonight. Would you open your hearts to the Holy Spirit? The last words of Christ to his disciples. Something greater is coming. He's going to fill you to do the work. Would you and I be the people of God who do the work? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you and to honor you and to love you. And I pray tonight that you would give us the strength to not only pursue you in an exciting way, and and I hope we're doing that as a church. We're setting the pace for the people of God. But I pray that individually and independently you would be providing opportunity and you would be setting things in place so that your Holy Spirit could literally take over and control everything that we're doing, that we could feel enraptured in your presence. Father, I pray tonight you would be with us and guide us and lead us. At Pipeline, we always end the service with a prayer of your own to the Lord and then a song of worship before we go. So tonight, right before I give you a moment just in your own way, in your own time to pray and and speak the words to the Lord, I'm I'm just going to give you a couple challenges. One is if you are here and you are visiting, we are grateful we're grateful you're here. You're, you're here to hear the word, but more to be a part of a community tonight and, and translate that word into your own life. And if you are with us and you are not a believer or you, you've never had the opportunity to outrightly say, God, I give you control. I surrender my life to you. I want you to be in charge. Then let this prayer time in these next few moments be that time. And it would sound like this. Dear God, I want you to be my one God. I don't want anything else before you. I'm broken and I've messed up quite a bit. And I surrender trying to do it on my own. Father, I receive the gift of your son. Tonight I want you to be my one God and I want to serve you forever. Prayer of salvation is a prayer that we delight in, but even more the Lord himself delights in even one coming home. Maybe that's not your prayer tonight, but maybe at some point in the message you were encouraged or you were you had something on your heart and your mind or something that stuck and it just kept running and replaying. I want to encourage you that that's the way the Lord works. That's the way the Spirit of God works. He begins to tell us things and help us understand things that we never would have thought of ourselves. So whatever those things would be, just take the last few moments of this time to lay at the foot of the throne the things that you carried in tonight, the the cares and the worries. Maybe you've been running that treadmill, running that cycle, and you know you can't do it anymore that way. Use these moments to just surrender to the Lord. Ask Him to do greater things in your life. Let's spend some moments before the Lord independently.
and then we're going to worship together. As you get ready to go out to this week, I want to encourage you, be blessed. Enjoy the presence of God. If it's your first time here tonight and you're pleasantly underwhelmed by the pastor, you will be pleasantly overwhelmed by the food and the people outside. And we want you to go out and enjoy the night with us and celebrate with us. Don't worry, I'm usually the very last one who leaves and I'm usually home by like 7.30. So uh, just to say that, don't worry, we're not gonna take your whole night away, but we want you to hang in and have a meal with us and get to know the people of God and who God's created us to be. I wanna encourage you, read the book of Acts this week. And more than reading the book of Acts, read that verse 8 and say, God, would you let your Holy Spirit come on me this week and see what you can do with my life. And with that in mind, I'm going to ask you to hold out your hands just like that, that food plate you will in just a moment to receive the blessing from the Lord tonight. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May His face shine upon you. And may His glory enrapture you in His presence. May you go this week and be the light of Christ and be the people we say that we are. And may His Spirit fill you to overflowing so that you can be stirred up for good works, but even more, that your faith would be built, that your hope would be encouraged, and that you could see His kingdom come this week through all that you do. May His kingdom reign in your hearts this week. Go with the Lord. Have a great night. We love you.